Welcome to Reside by Sotheby's International Realty. I'm Eric Weinbrecht, your host and guide as we dive into the pages of Reside magazine to discover more about the incredible people, places, and brands featured within. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to at Sotheby's Realty on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to experience incredible homes and stories from around the world. Without further delay, let's get started. Fresh off the global networking stage in Vancouver, I'd like to welcome Sotheby's International Realty's Chief Marketing Officer and our special guest, Kevin Thompson, to take us through the brand's latest marketing campaign and talk a little bit about the event. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me. That was uh, that was an incredible uh, uh, speech that you gave today at, at G&E. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So uh, before we get started about all of the, the great things that you talked about, tell us a little bit about why, uh, why we're in Vancouver this year. So when we were looking at locations to take our global networking event uh, a little over a year ago, Vancouver popped up on our radar as one of the... Um, unique places that we could bring our global audience to that I think represents what is um, exciting and new and fresh, not just in the real estate market, but in a, in a vibrant urban setting. Vancouver is itself a very modern city. It's a young city. Um, and I felt like it was the right vibe for our global networking event and it really fit with the theme of what we're going to talk about there. So it seems like, too, an interesting contrast coming off of having two events in Las Vegas and, and going to Vancouver. So the, the atmosphere here is is obviously completely different between the two. And uh, it seems to be a, a really effective choice. Yeah. So Vancouver is a world apart from Las Vegas. Um, both great cities, both super dynamic, uh, both attract a global audience. I think what it was, again, really interesting about Vancouver was the idea that we could host the event in a phenomenal venue that was just built. It was designed for the Olympics that were recently held in Vancouver. It's an extraordinary place to be. Um, it, it feels very fresh, very new, very modern, and I think aligns with the voice of the brand right now. So speaking of things that are new and, and fresh and modern, let's talk a little bit about what you talked about today. Tell us about the uh, the exciting news. So one of the big announcements that we had, probably the biggest announcement for GE from a marketing standpoint, is the rollout of a new campaign. So the idea that we get to present a new global campaign to the audience um, is, you know, we only, we only get the chance to do that at GE, so we have to wait a year and a half, sometimes two years, to have these conversations and really get to talk to agents and, and our owners about what the voice of the brand should be going forward. So to announce the only campaign, um, you know, not just was the setting perfect to do that, the timing was right. We had just come off of the success of the Live Sotheby's International Realty campaign, which was the first truly customizable global campaign that we had launched as a brand. We launched it with a, a cloud-based ad building tool that allowed all of our affiliates to customize the brand for their local market. The Live campaign really, I think, helped us set the, the framework for our new only campaign. Um, it spoke to our, our agents, our network, and consumers, buyers, and sellers about the idea of living a Sotheby's International Realty lifestyle. I think the only campaign lets us really 
kind of own that voice. We are the only luxury real estate brand that operates on a global scale. Um, we are the only luxury real estate brand that has a network as powerful as ours is today. Um, so it just made sense from sort of a logical standpoint. But I think it is the 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 also the creative evolution of the Live campaign. It makes sense to move into uh, a bolder, bigger statement for the brand. So why do you think it's important for for brands like the Sotheby's International Realty brand to have these kinds of campaigns? What do they do for a, a brand? So I think when a brand like Sotheby's International Realty plays in the public sphere. We get to say and do things that other real estate brands can't do. Um, in part, that's because of our shared history with the auction house. So we just celebrated our, the, the Sotheby's brand's 275th anniversary, which is an extraordinary milestone. Um, Sotheby's is a brand that, that consumers aspire to. They have a sense of what it means to live a Sotheby's lifestyle, and that is part of who we are as Sotheby's International Realty as well. So we get to talk about the idea of living a certain way and 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 tapping into your dreams and really it, this is all about Sotheby's International Realty not just as the voice of authority in the luxury space but the access point for consumers to achieve their dreams and and I think that's a remarkable thing I don't think that's something that other real estate brands can can do can try to do uh, I don't think you know it is it's something that we own um, and and is is beyond compare really in the real estate industry now I'd, I'd imagine going going back to the the new campaign there had to be some sort of uh, impetus or, or some sort of inspiration for this campaign. You know, what are some of the, the other big brand campaigns that inspire decisions like this? Well, we worked with a company called Blue Blanc Rouge. They're based in Toronto and Montreal, and they have historically they've worked with Nike and Mercedes Benz. They worked with Live Nation, and we did an exercise with them that was all about brand world building. And this is a fairly new concept, I think, for for global brands. I think the most forward thinking brands in in all categories are. are having these conversations about what the world of their brand looks and feels like. We had not had that conversation before at Sotheby's International Realty. And and that is, uh, I think, both a surprising thing for a brand that's been around for 275 years, but also an incredible opportunity when you consider our share of, uh, of market at, in the luxury segment um, for us to have this conversation now sort of represents, a, a, you know, the opportunity going forward. Um, it is important for us to think about what it means to represent the brand and what the, the world of Sotheby's International Realty feels like. And that's what drove the new campaign. So this exercise with Blue Blanc Rouge um, and sort of understanding the psychology of how our brand lives in the real estate space really led us to land on only as the campaign tagline. I know uh, from from my perspective, I can't wait to see what some of our uh, affiliates do with this campaign. I know the the Live campaign was super customizable, and you know we saw them do some incredible things with this. I'm I'm hoping you know for the same, if not more, for for the Only campaign. Yeah. So the challenge for the Live campaign when we first designed it, and we knew we wanted to talk about what it means to live a Sotheby's International Realty lifestyle, we had to consider that that means something very different to people all around the world. It means something different to buyers and sellers at different price points and emerging affluent millennials and established luxury consumers. So we had to create in, in sort of partnership with the campaign, we had to create a tool that allowed for the campaign to be customized so that it worked at any price point in any market in the 72 countries that we're in, close to 23,000 agents employing this campaign um, or have the opportunity to employ this campaign. 
so we had to create the tool that allowed for the customization. The only campaign, um, you know, it, through all of the learnings and creating the Live campaign and launching the Live campaign and understanding where it worked, where it didn't work, and why and why not, um, we were able to launch the only campaign today with a sort of bigger bang. There are more. Con there are more. Um, pieces of collateral, more assets, more tools, more designs, more templates. Everything about the only campaign is more robust than the live campaign. And certainly it was effective. You know, when we launched it and we launched the design vault, we had 97% of our companies go into the design vault and create some sort of collateral inside the, the templates that were there. Um, you know, that represents 30 plus ads a day being created using that tool. I think the only campaign will far outpace that. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm I'm super excited to see what people do with it. Um, what's what's one thing you're really looking forward to with the only campaign? What are you looking to see from it? I you know what ex inspires me most is when I see the campaign customized for local markets and individual agents working effectively. So when, you know, our, our agents know their markets better than we do, better than we ever possibly could. They have the information, they have the understanding about what consumers in their market want. And so when they when they go into the, to the, the Design Vault tool and they customize the assets that we create, we've created, and they design these beautiful ads that we Oh, just help them to create. We didn't design it. We're not dictating what it what it should look like at the the end product. You know, we we want to manage the voice of the brand, but how that gets interpreted in the local market is entirely up to our agents. And I think that you know that's what excites me most when I see them grab onto what we've created and make it their own and really run with it. And we see those templates pop up on social media channels, and we see local advertising and local print media. Um, that's the most exciting part for me when when it when we. Know know it's working for them and helping drive their business and their success. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today to, to be with us on the podcast. I know you are very busy here in, uh, in Vancouver, and there are many people looking forward to talking with you, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Make sure to check out The Only Campaign across all of our social media platforms and uh, on Sotheby'sRealty.com. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. Hawaii is the premier destination for diving in the United States. With the island offering so many locales to explore the depths, we could have dedicated an entire episode to the topic. Instead, we're focusing on Maui, home to some particularly special Pacific waters. My guest today is Philip Chiesa, real estate agent with Island Sotheby's International Realty and longtime freediver. Hi, Philip. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Excited to talk about diving on Maui. So, so before we, we hop into the water, uh, just give me a, a lowdown on what's going on in Maui. What's trending there? Well, I'm a little bit of a foodie, so I'm very excited for the upcoming opening of a new restaurant on the north shore of Maui called Bop. It's a Korean barbecue slash sushi restaurant opening up, and I think it's going to be a pretty big success in Paia. I mean, I think it goes without saying that that anytime we talk about a location, one of the first things that comes up is food. So I always love to hear about you know the, the culinary trends and the things that are that are going on, and and that's that's awesome. So uh, is there anything in particular there that you're looking forward to? Definitely all of the sashimi. The people opening this restaurant used to have a different sushi restaurant located upcountry in Maui, in Makawao, and they are changing locations and changing up their menu a little bit, and they always were known for having really high-quality fish in their restaurant, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they create now. 
Now, now speaking of, of high-quality fish, let's talk about what they look like but before we, uh, we get them on the dinner plate. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, Hawaii is known as the U.S.'s uh, premier diving destination. But what makes diving in Maui particularly special? What Maui has going on more than all the other islands is the number of whales. When it's whale season, which is from about December to April, they like to be in our waters most as we have these protected channels between Maui and Lanai that serves as a great area for them to birth their baby whales. And so you can just see them all over the place, either from land or while diving, and you can hear them underwater. It's a pretty surreal experience. Wow, that sounds incredible. I mean, I'm a very novice swimmer. Uh, my wife is a is a former lifeguard, and she makes fun of me all the time. But you know, in, in terms of of diving and be, and being there for for something like a you know a whale pod, you know, what uh what level of diver do you have to be to experience something like that? It's all sort of luck of the draw. You could be an advanced diver and be out really far, and it will increase your chances of seeing them. But you can also be a relative beginner and go out for a snorkel trip and happen to see a whale right off the boat. So really all levels of people can get to experience that, which I think is fun. Now, you mentioned too that there's a, a specific season for for um, uh, experiencing you know a, a whale encounter like that, but are there any other particular seasons where diving is best in Maui or different or something special? You know, kind of the best thing about Maui is you can dive here all year round the water temperature only changes about five degrees from winter to summer. It's about 75 Fahrenheit in winter and goes up to about 80 in summer. So all year long you can dive and the visibility is great. The currents are never too bad as long as you're diving in a good part of the island. And it's just awesome. There's no down season. Now you've, you've lived in, in Maui uh, for the better part of your life. Is, is that right? Yes, I moved here when I was seven years old. Wow. And when did you start diving? Sort of recently, within the last four to five years. Um, I didn't actually grow up doing it, but when I moved home after college, I really got into the community. And it's really an up-and-coming community, um, free diving in particular. And so it's cool to be a part of that as it grows and gets into the mainstream. So what's the difference between uh, free diving and, and, you know, just kind of the the typical diving we think of? Um, I know many of us out here aren't aren't experts on the topic. So um, if you could give us a a definition, that would be great. Absolutely. Typically, when people hear the word diving, they're going to think of scuba diving, which is having a breathing apparatus, typically one of those big metal tanks on your back, and you are diving for the better part of an hour using that breathing apparatus, staying under the whole time. Free diving is diving as deep as you want or as shallow as you want simply by holding your breath. And there's a lot of different disciplines within the sport of free diving. But in its simplest sense, it's diving unaided by a tank. Wow. Now, I I heard that you can hold your breath for three minutes. Is that correct? I'm actually up to four minutes now. Wow, that is... That is insane. That that is a long, long time. Isn't there like a a limit where if you're not breathing for a certain amount of time, like there's like an oxygen cutoff thing to your brain? Is th- is that a is that at all a worry of yours when you're down there? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, and without boring you too much with the physiology, four minutes is uh, a relatively short breath hold within the freediving world. 
the world official world record is just under 12 minutes right now. And a lot of my regular dive partners have uh, much longer breath hold times than I do. So I'm not too worried about reaching my limit. Wow. Wow. So, so I mean, whether whether you're under the water with a tank strapped to your or, or under the water holding your breath for an extended period of time, when, when you come up to the surface and you want to decompress in Maui, what's something that you, that you do after a, a full day of diving? My personal favorite thing is to sit on the beach and drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to relax and, and hang out because diving is pretty exhausting. Even though you're in the water the whole time, um, it just hits you in a different way than you think. There's also a lot of really fun hikes out on the east side of the island with waterfalls and jungles, and it's like being in a whole different world. So I really like going to do that. Already touched on the food, but we have some world-class restaurants out here and access to amazing fish, and not just fish, but vegetables and fruits. We just have this insane mixture of fresh produce that we can have year-round out here. Thank you so much for taking the time to briefly take us uh, into the water with you and and kind of give us a glimpse of of what uh, life is like on Maui. Yeah, absolutely. I was happy to talk. It's fun to talk about your passions. Thanks again to Philip and Kevin for joining me on this special edition of the Reside podcast. Thanks also to Stephen Connolly behind the board and all of you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Reside by Sotheby's International Realty podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Looking for more from Reside Magazine? See the show notes for links or visit sotheby'srealty.com slash reside for stories from the magazine. Until next time.